What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Sam, I have been in Bali on Balinese soil for just over three weeks now and I am tending to myself, to my heart, to my internal world. I'm taking beautiful care of my body, my health, my nutrition. And yeah, I'm really just doing a lot of internal focus so that the more that I really tend to what is going on internally inside of me, the more that my external reality can really reflect the kind of life that I say that I'm here to live. Which brings me back to the same question that I keep asking you, that I keep asking myself, is what is it that you are keeping yourself busy doing that is distracting you from the life that you most desire? Are you so fixated on goal line that you're forgetting about the soul line? Because I feel many of us can resonate with the conversation around working to achieve something that we feel will bring us a feeling, but that external focus leaves us in denial of what is actually going on internally And then we will achieve the thing. I mean, we're incredible women. We're strong, independent, really awesome women that can do and achieve brilliant things. And we're smart. We're all so, so smart. And then we get to the day where we've achieved the thing and the thing didn't bring the feeling. And so what are you distracting yourself with? And what is it that you most desire? I'm just going to keep bringing you back to that because the woman in the rat race on the hamster wheel chasing after some kind of carrot that she doesn't even want, I'm just not here for that. I'm just not a stand for it. I'm just a no. I'm a full body fuck no. But today, fam, this conversation isn't at all about that, even though it really kind of is. This is a guest conversation with an incredible woman named Amy Rushworth. Now, Amy and I first connected many years ago. She actually invited me to be on her podcast. Her podcast is amazing, The Amy Rushworth Show. And she had me on there to talk all things the herpes virus with her. And I've been following along her journey for years. But you know when you're following someone and you're enjoying them and then all of a sudden you're following someone and you can't stop consuming their content like something about the energy of their posts is just resonating so deeply with you well this is the exact experience I've had with Amy because Amy's amazing Amy's nice we're really like-minded and the past six months there's been this oh my god I am feeling just activated by Amy's posts you know how much a fully expressed woman turns me the fuck on. It's what I'm here for. It's what I love about my work. It has absolutely fucking nothing to do with the herpes virus and everything to do with connecting a woman so deeply with her own internal truth that she knows what the fuck she's here for and then does the work to cultivate the inner confidence, to cultivate the inner courage and worthiness, to activate her unique voice, to believe that she can be her fully expressed self in the world. And so when I look at Amy Rushworth, I see one of the most fully expressed women on the internet. And I absolutely could not not ask her to be on the show today. So this episode is all about moving from good girl to absolute embodied bad bitch. You are going to love her. She's beautiful, soulful. She's a goddess. She's a glamour. She's smart. She's intelligent. She's deep. She is just the full spectrum woman. I'm so excited to introduce you to her. If you love this episode, please screenshot it share it to your story, tag both myself and Amy because we would fucking love to connect with you. This is one hell of an episode. Strap yourself in, fam. Let's fucking go. I'm sitting here with a woman who I have been so drawn to lately. She has been in my world for many, many years, but the past 12 months I have felt so magnetized to her social media. You know when someone's online and you just cannot help but stalk them? because there's something about them that you're like, I want some of that. 
Amy Rushworth has a lot of fucking that for me. I think one of the most courageous, fully self-expressed women on the internet, if I'm going to declare that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Thank you for having me and for that amazing intro. I mean, my love language is words of affirmation and I'm a Leo, so I'll never say no to a compliment. So <laughs> Thank you. Well, I only say if I mean it, I love seeing a woman so embodied in her full self-expression and what lights me on fire. And to see that in you, I'm like, I am so inspired by your bigness and your ownership and your glamour and your just everything about you. It's just, to me, something within you lately has just oh hit me so deeply that I thought I need to share you with the rest of the world. Amazing. Well, I'm happy to be here. So for anyone who doesn't know you the way that I do, even though I'm really just a an avid follower online, who is Amy Rushworth so they can all get a bite of who you are? Leo Sun, Taurus Moon, Virgo Rising, mental projector in human design, the important things. I am an Australian. I live in Mallorca and I am an empowerment mentor, a sexual wellness educator, breathwork healer, a podcaster, and my deepest, deepest passion, other than talking about all the naughty taboo topics on the internet, is helping women to fuck off the rules, be who they really are, maybe discover who they really are underneath all the armor, the patterns and the conditioning so that they can live their dream life. And I really think that your authentic self, your authentic expression is the secret ingredient to that because the way you feel about yourself, the way you speak about yourself, the way that you share your voice in the world massively influences the choices that you make, the relationships you end up in, the circumstances that you say yes to, and the courage that you embody. And all of those things, in my opinion, are what manifest our reality. So I think going on that journey that I help women go on to tap into that self-expression and figure out who they are is what organically allows the life of their dreams to unfold. And so I guess I'm kind of a manifestation coach in disguise as well. (laughs) I love that so much. For you, I know that even you declare yourself as a bad bitch. Have you always been, like, what was your journey to becoming this? Have you always been just so embodied in your confidence, so worthy, so big, so bold? What was that like for you? No, I was a sad bitch. (laughs) My journey began 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when I was in a totally different place in my life. So I was going in this sort of very long-winded downward spiral for a long time, long story short started having panic attacks, was really struggling, couldn't continue the way that I'd been going, drinking a lot, smoking a lot, taking a lot of drugs, also being a perfectionist at work at the same time. I just completely burned out emotionally, psychologically and physically. So I was in therapy. Turns out I've been walking around with PTSD basically my entire life. And that's why I was acting that way, trying to cope, because I didn't know that that's what was going on. So I started rebuilding my life from there. And that meant losing a lot of friends, really having to clean up a lot of my behaviors, my addictions, the way that I spoke to myself. And so I kind of dove headfirst into therapy, then getting more into spirituality, manifestation, coaching, somatic healing, sexual healing. And this is like a controversial thing to say, but it's my truth. I have completely healed that PTSD and changed my nervous system. And I even confronted my childhood abuser at one point. 
So for me, this has been this huge journey of healing, but the biggest part of it was healing my voice because I feel like that's what was taken from me through my traumatic experiences. And so I really started to use that voice. And then eventually I trained in all the things that I do now. And that became, again, the North Star of what I do and what I stand for. Wow. Do you find that is actually quite common for someone to be experiencing PTSD and not even know it? Yeah, totally. I was so shocked when my therapist said this to me, even though I knew I'm not okay. Like I was in a place in my life where I genuinely, I wanted to die. I didn't want to be here. But I was so shocked when she said that because to me, I always thought PTSD is for people who come back from the war. Who am I to have PTSD as this pretty privileged white girl living at Bondi Beach in Australia? You know, (laughs) what the hell? I didn't really know why I had that diagnosis. You know, a fish doesn't know it's in water. I was going about my way for years, going out until 5 a.m. in the morning, sometimes five nights a week, and then going to university the whole day, and then also doing an internship and also getting all my homework done. I was just burning the candle at all ends, and I didn't even really think there was anything wrong with me, even though I felt pretty sad. And there was obviously a reason why I needed to drink that much to smoke sometimes 40 cigarettes a day. I didn't realize at the time that is not normal. And so when I got that diagnosis, I started to ask these deeper questions, you know, what's really going on here? And it wasn't until two years into my healing journey, I was out of therapy at that point that I had my flashbacks and remembered the original root trauma. So it took two years of healing for my brain to even release that information to me. So yeah, I think it's pretty common. And I think there's a lot of shame around it because a lot of trauma survivors think my trauma isn't as bad as someone else's or was it really that bad? But you have to remember that just because you might be able to cope with some kind of situation as an adult doesn't mean that your brain was equipped to deal with it and process it when you were five or when you were 10 or even any time before you're 25. Your brain is still developing until you're 25. So, yeah, I think it's super common. Mm, Did you find the diagnosis relieving to hear like, oh, my God, this answers so much for me or is it really confronting to receive like oh my god there's so much shame and judgment around being someone that experiences PTSD I just was kind of bewildered I thought what I know I'm having panic attacks I didn't really know that much about mental health to be honest when I had that first panic attack I thought I was having a heart attack on the street and so I really had to go on this journey of discovering my mental health and understanding some of the concepts that she was bringing to me Because I didn't know what disassociation was. And that's what I'd been, you know, doing my whole life, disassociating from my emotions. I just kind of thought I was a bit fucked up and couldn't cry and couldn't (sighs) feel things. And then I all of a sudden started feeling everything when I came into therapy. So it was kind of just a messy journey of discovery. Huge. What does that journey look like from diagnosis to, wow, I'm reclaiming my voice now? It started really simple in therapy, you know, it was saying no to going out with the same people, saying no to people treating me a certain way. And that was really scary because I'd never really been the person to say no. I was always the, I'll go along with everything, friend. I'll always be there for you, friend. 
I will just do whatever you want to do, friend. And if someone would do something harmful to me, I had learned very early on, don't speak up. So learning to use my voice even when it was shaking, when I would lose people. And that sounds empowering, but it was really hard. You know, it was a completely new way of being for me. And so I was really upset a lot of the time when I was doing this. But I knew that I had to keep taking these little steps if I wanted to completely change my life, which I did because the life that I was living, I didn't even want to be around for. So I knew I've got to do this. I've got to do this. So I just started taking all these little steps. And then I think it really took off in a different way when I started my business, when I started my Instagram And I had to deal with the fact that I was feeling a lot of shame stepping into being a coach because I thought all these people from my past are going to know how I was and how fucked up I was. And now I'm teaching other people how to be healthy and how to be confident and live their life. So I had a lot of imposter syndrome and shame, but I knew if I just keep taking little steps and just working with the emotions that come up at every step, then tomorrow I'm going to be a little bit further ahead with this. I'm going to be a little more confident with this. And I did that intuitively, but that's actually a scientifically proven method for building confidence that I later found out. Exposing yourself to your fears in small, manageable doses and then slowly increasing the intensity that's actually what creates confidence. So I guess I was already coaching myself without realizing it. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I call it an edging process. I do the same thing for any woman wanting to reclaim her voice. I know you had me on your podcast around the herpes virus. We start with small bite-sized, little easy, manageable, but still putting yourself on a growth edge to build the emotional body that can hold finally, eventually leaning into that really courageous self-expression. I'm assuming that as you're losing friends, they were friends that weren't actually aligned for you. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a gnarly time when I first got into therapy because something that was also going on is that I had broken up with my boyfriend and then I found out that my best friend who I was living with was fucking him and we had all lived together, right? So I was like, did this stop before? She was gaslighting me and saying, you're crazy, denying it. He was denying it, but I just knew and people were telling me. But throw into the fact that she was also then spreading rumors about me. So she was saying she's dating her personal trainer now. She was with him before, like trying to kind of take the heat off herself. And so I was in PTSD with panic attacks, having rumors spread about me and then not sure who was believing who we had all the same friends because she had moved to Sydney and I'd brought her into that friend group. And then suddenly I felt like, I don't know who I can trust in this group. Everyone's being weird. I feel like, you know, people should choose my side. It was very, very messy. And so I was in that very anxious place of wanting to just crawl in a hole and not come out and not really know who my real friends were. And so there was that. So it was kind of naturally unhinging from certain people anyway but then there was some really long-term friendships where I realized like hey this is kind of an emotionally abusive dynamic you only like me or you're only happy with me if I'm doing 
da 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 or am I doing exactly what you want and so I had to sever myself from different relationships for periods of time and then over time I've sort of reconnected with some of those people in a new dynamic like a less intimate dynamic and that works and then also later down the journey when I became a coach and I was dealing with the flashbacks that were starting to come through. I stopped drinking at that time because I wasn't drinking a lot at this time, but I completely stopped drinking. And I was living in London. And if anyone has ever lived in London, you know, everyone goes out to drink. Like that's the thing you're always at. And so I had a couple of friends in England. I was still kind of new to England and they got really angry at me that I wasn't going out and I was doing this personal development. One of them even accused me of being in a cult because she was like, you're not drinking, you're going to these weird meetings with people and, you know, yelled at me and was meant to come to my first event that I was hosting and didn't show up to support me. And so there was lots of situations like this and it was very, very difficult for me. But by this time, I had built enough resilience inside of myself and I knew I've got my back. And so even though I was really upsetting, I just kind of kept going and kept calling in more aligned friendships. The reason I ask that question is a lot of my clients, a lot of women who come into my world, are really looking to reclaim their voice and show up powerfully for themselves, start being really embodied in their boundaries, saying no, no longer being the people pleaser. A lot of things that you really speak about and there can be a great fear of loss, losing the friends that aren't actually aligned, but then fearing the discomfort of there being no friends whilst they rebuild. So for any woman that's resonating with that conversation, what would you share with her if she knows that there's an opportunity here to say no to a certain friendship circle that's no longer serving her but there's a massive fear of loneliness in the space. Mm, it's so real and it is hard. I won't sugarcoat that. You will cry and grieve that friendship and it may bring up a lot of your sisterhood wounds as well. However, there's this great quote and it says something like, any connection that you lose from being authentic wasn't a real connection to begin with. And sometimes we have to grieve the fact that we have been spending our time in these authentic dynamics. But what you can also realize is that your inner child probably did that too. The childhood version of you probably did that in school, right? We have all done that probably in some way where we dim ourselves to fit in or we assimilate to what the group is doing even though it's not our true path and we settle for fitting in when what we really want is belonging and nothing beats belonging so if you can be brave to seek that belonging and to not settle for having to water yourself down in order to just simply fit in there's going to be a period of time where you're in the gap between those two but once you find that belonging, it's the most enriching, it's the best feeling in the world to know that you're loved for all the messy, beautiful, even ugly parts of you. And that's worth the fight. Powerful. For any woman who is listening to this, who is like, sister wounds, what is that? Can you share with them exactly what that is? Sister wounds are lurking underneath the surface of all of our psyches. So we all have a different kind of wound when it comes to how we relate with women, how safe we feel with other women. And usually in the personal development world, it's just kind of labeled as this one sister wound but one of my friends uh Lexi Sabatino she's come on my podcast before I've been in her sister wound course 
she breaks it down in an amazing way. So I want to give it full credit to her because this is her teaching and template. But there's different kinds of wounds that you might have that another woman might not have. And then we kind of face off with our different wounds and we don't really understand each other. So one of mine is betrayal. So my wound stems from the first time that another girl betrayed me, turned on me. How that looks as an adult is women who put me up on a pedestal, love me, and then drag me off, or they suddenly change their tune on me. And I'm like, why don't you like me anymore? I thought you loved me, you know? Or for example, with my friend who pretty much stole my boyfriend after I had given her so much and tried to love her so much. But it can also be the wound of rejection, the wound of fakeness and inauthenticity, the wound of competition, scarcity. You know, there's all different wounds. And then what we do is we create a behavior, a pattern to try and protect ourselves, to try and not allow anyone to touch that wound. And so sometimes we don't understand each other because maybe one woman that you're friends with is really competitive with you. And you're like, why are you trying to compete with me? Why are you angry at me for being happy? Because you don't have that wound, but you might have the wound of rejection. And she starts rejecting you when she's competing with you. And so we try and understand each other on these surface levels, but until we kind of know that more intimate role that the wound is playing for us and maybe playing for our friend or another woman, we just continue rearranging the pieces on the surface and feeling misunderstood and not ending up in deep relationships with each other. The conversations that I used to have with friends in my early 20s were pretty superficial and I just didn't know any other way of friendship. You know, we would just joke around or we talk about what we're doing on the weekend or Sometimes they would be talking about what other people had done or gossiping. And uh, now, you know, I have the weirdest conversations with my friends. Like everything would be considered TMI. You know, we'd talk about like our periods and our poo and deep witchy things and like what's going on in our astrology chart or anything. So I think a lot of that is because I'm really deeply committed to always looking at how is my wound influencing how authentic I'm being with other women when it shows up, how do I operate normally and how can I operate differently? Like how can I, instead of running away, maybe come into a hard, truthful conversation with my friend? And that's also very helpful as a coach because I work with women who are experiencing huge wounds and working through them. And sometimes they project that onto me. And so I have to be able to hold that without letting it dictate how our dynamic is going to be. And so I think it's a real gift to be able to work on that for yourself and you get amazing relationships as a result. Do you live in alignment with your deepest desires? Do you give a voice to your most vulnerable truths? What is it that you really desire to express? To live in alignment with our integrity, our values and our desires, you have absolutely got to express yourself. But do you even know how? What does full self-expression even mean to you? Join me for four powerful weeks starting May 17th as together we unlock your most authentic, courageous, heart-open and pleasure-led, fully expressed woman. In my newly released four-week mini course, we will dive deep into four potent and life-changing modules, explore the energetic blocks that are holding you back from stepping into your fullest expression, break free from your visibility ceiling, connect deeper with your inner child and your unique essence, 
reclaim your personal power, activate your unique voice, challenge and stretch your growth edges, and work with embodiment practices to support your nervous system to hold more pleasure, more authenticity, more joy, and so much more. This is an empowered pleasure and growth-led journey of mind, body, community, and soul. And exclusively for my raw, real, and vulnerable community, I am sharing with you a massive $500 off your enrollment, making it half price to get started on your fully express woman journey today. Head to the link in my show notes and use the code raw, real, and vulnerable to claim your exclusive enrollment. This is for any and every woman who desires to unlock her fullest self-expression and live courageously. And I cannot wait to go there this May with you. Let's fucking go. Yeah, that's such beautiful context. Thank you for sharing. And the reason that I asked you that is so many women come into my world and they're deeply desiring that beautiful sense of belonging that you were speaking about, but have so much fear around entering groups with other women and fearing that they won't be accepted, they won't belong, they'll be excluded, they might be rejected and or abandoned or betrayed. And the reason I ask you that question is because how common do you feel that this sisterhood wound actually is for women? When women enter my world, they think, it's just me. I'm the one woman that doesn't fit in. Everyone else is the cool group, the popular girls, the pretty ones. I'm the one that doesn't belong. Yeah, totally. And it even happens to me, for example, if I walk into an event and I'm speaking and people have followed me on Instagram or even sometimes I just go to an event where I live here and someone's meeting me for the first time. And I mean, I'm really tall. I'm pretty. I've got a big presence. I'm usually wearing a big, fabulous hat and something really overdressed because that's just how I roll. And sometimes there are women who are very intimidated by that, even though I haven't even spoken to them or I've never looked at them or had a thought about them. And they might come up and share that with me later and say, you know, I thought that maybe you didn't want to talk to me or uh, I thought that you thought you're better than me. And I'm like, isn't that crazy when we actually admit the things that we're thinking and projecting onto each other and sometimes I'm like I thought you didn't like me because you were looking at me weird from across the room and I really wanted to talk to you you know so the more we can be honest that helps us to dissolve that fakeness because that energy is in the room whether you name it or not you know Uh, and I think the reason that it's difficult is because most of us haven't been taught how to name it We haven't been taught how to use our voice. We are scared to have hard, awkward conversations with other people. But if you think of any amazing relationship in your life, maybe with your partner or someone in your family or a friend, you have hard conversations sometimes. And sometimes you have to say things that are difficult to say and difficult for the other person to hear, but it allows you to clear the air. And beyond that is a deeper connection. Incredible. I just wanted to share something that came up for me when I was doing your podcast and also Sigrid. Sigrid and Amy are both very beautiful and very glamorous women for anyone that's not seeing the video right now. And I don't do my makeup. I have beach hair. I don't do my hair. And I was just like, I should probably get dressed up for this, even though I didn't. There was definitely like that part of me that's probably the insecure, bullied teenager that sees them as the popular girls that thought, how can I change myself? to be able to attempt to match them on that level. And I just recognized it, saw it, accepted that I just adore you, think that you're very beautiful. And what I love in it is I see the inspiration, adoration and respect and allure towards you and Sigrid now, whereas 
the past version of me, if I hadn't gone through all of this work, done this work on my own sister wounds, I probably would have changed my appearance to try and curate myself to try and get your acceptance. I love that you're who you are. Yeah. You know, I admire that. I have friends who are just like that and we just look hilarious together because we'll go for a dinner and I'm like in a feather jacket and a gown or something ridiculous. And then they'll just be a beach hair, little crop top, some Havianas. And I'm like, this is yeah. perfect. I'm not friends with people because of how they look. And I don't think I'm better than anyone. Mm. I think we all get to be who we are. And if you think about the people that you love, the things that you love about them and not that they wear that hat or they have the perfect shade of lipstick on every day, it's soul connections, it's traits about who they are, how they walk through the world, their goofy laugh, you know, all these kinds of things. And so I'm also aware that sometimes my presence has that effect on people because it brings up their stuff. But part of my commitment to what I stand for in the world and what I stand for other women, I have to apply that to myself. And I like to be bougie. I am like this at home. <laughs> you know, I ask my husband, I like walk around in ridiculous outfits like I'm a queen I in a castle. <laughs> I, I would actually love to embody more glam, but I hate shopping. So next season I'm committed to when I'm not in sweaty Bali, I'm committed to getting a stylist, someone who can support me in my hate for shopping journey. Oh my goodness. See, I love shopping. I find it really soothing and therapeutic. And I think it's also, let's blame my astrology. I'm a Leo, right? We're known for our glamour. And then I have all these Virgo placements in like Venus and things like that. And so I like the way that things look and the way they're put together. And I like certain fabrics. And I used to be an artist, so I love to paint my face with makeup. And I also think that it's part of how I rebel against all these rules around what a spiritual woman is supposed to be. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And the rules. Yeah. For any woman who is listening right now and is like, hold on, you are so embodied in who you are, you dress the way you dress, you embody your glam, all the things, and you healed your relationship with women and what I'm hearing as well, seeing as you have a beautiful husband, men too, how did you go from that betrayal wound, knowing that your best friend set with your boyfriend to this expression of you now? Yeah, I kind of think that our relationship was God's gift to me after all this healing I had done. It was like, okay, Amy deserves us to throw her a bone. <laughs> so we've been married for six years and I was on my healing journey for about two years. And this was when I was in Australia and I met this amazing guy in Sydney and I was finally ready to be vulnerable. He was very secure in himself. And so I think that was very healing for me. But I also had this really strong psychic urge that I needed to go to England for some reason. I don't know why. I'd never been to England. I'd never been to Europe. I was in this new relationship, starting to fall in love. I was about to be promoted at work. It made no sense. But I had done that healing work on myself and I knew the importance of listening to my instincts at this point. I knew the importance of putting myself first. And so he was in a kind of job where you couldn't ever move from Australia. And so I knew I have to choose myself or I have to choose to stay here and commit to this. 
And so I decided to leave. So I uprooted my life, fucked off the promotion I was about to get and went to London. And a few months after I moved to London, I met Tristan, who's my husband now. And I wasn't looking for a relationship, right? I just left one. I was very determined I want to be single. I just want to kind of go on fun dates, just explore connections in a very kind of fun, casual way. And yeah, he just kind of came out of nowhere. We fell in love and we got married a year and a half after we met and we've been married for a while now. So it was a good choice. Mm, Your relationship looks beautiful from what I can see from the outside looking in. Thank you. It is. It's my home. Yeah. So I know that you touched on this a little bit, that women can be intimidated by you. I'm assuming that you can be a massive trigger. For yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Are you okay with being wrapped? It's a bit unfortunate, but I would say I'm okay with it. Uh-huh. It's not that it doesn't bruise me sometimes. Yeah. You know, I don't think that we ever reach a place where we're just perfect and nothing ever hurts us anymore. If anything, I think I'm very much more in touch with my emotions now. And so it does hurt when someone goes from really loving you to then projecting onto you and not having that dialogue in a self-responsible or conscious way. You know, I can take feedback, but sometimes the level of mature communication isn't the same as what I would embody and that can hurt sometimes, but I'm okay with it because I've had a lot of experiences and evidence that many of the women who come and work with me have kind of not liked me when they've first seen me or heard me talk. And that's not the same for everyone. Some people just don't like me and then they fuck off and never come back. That's fine. But sometimes because I'm quite direct, I'm also a projector. So I can see things that other people can't see. I can see blind spots in people. And in my human design, I have a five line and that is basically known as the projection field. So anyone who has a five line in their human design, they say you're a walking trigger. And that's because you're simply a mirror for other people. And so if they don't like their own reflection, they see it in you and it bounces back at them. And that can be really confronting. So it does hurt sometimes, but also I know that I'm not responsible for the emotional state of other people. That's their responsibility. And we just keep rocking and rolling no matter what. And the reason I asked that question, thank you so much for sharing that so vulnerably, is women in my world, they desire to be more expressed, right? But their biggest fear is what are people going to think? What are people going to say? Yeah. If I put up one post online because I really desire to start expressing myself on start a podcast or a brand or whatever it is, one piece of criticism and I'm just going to go straight back into my turtle shell. Uh What would you say to that woman? Again, You know, we were talking about facing the fear and exposing yourself and then it gets less and less. I used to get really emotionally disrupted by people bullying me or criticizing me. So I had some really bad trolling in 2021 and I was just crying and crying and crying for like a whole day and it made me want to go on my shell. But I knew like, okay, it's going to get easier this emotion's going to go away. I've got more important things to care about than one message. Like how many hundreds more messages have I got 
that have said that I've changed someone's life. Someone told me that I've saved their life before because what I say is help them to keep going. And so I realize, okay, I'm at a crossroads. I get to decide what's more important. And so you can decide, is it more important for me to base my entire identity and self-esteem right now around one thing or two things that someone has said? Or do I have more important shit to care about? And so it's kind of like you give yourself that tough love moment of like your feelings are valid and what do you want to put your energy towards? And I don't want to put my energy towards people who are being hateful for no reason, right? If someone has a reason to be upset with me, that's a different thing, right? We talk about it. If someone is just being hateful or taking what you said and twisting it based on their own little fucked up perception of it, that's a Devon problem, right? So use the block button, do your own work around it. So look at what did that just bring up for me? And is that a deeper part of me that I can heal, that I can hold space for? And remember, what am I giving my energy to? What am I giving my focus to? What do I really care about? And for me, I care more about being a light for other people and being a permission slip and helping them to change their lives than I do about someone who's narrow-minded and probably never going to change their mind. I will say the more it happens, though, the less charge it's going to have in your system. It's going to be like a second. Like yesterday, I got this ridiculous comment from someone on one of my posts. I didn't even think it was a provocative post. And this woman was going off at me in the comments and I just was laughing to be honest and just wrote you must be so fun at parties don't let the door hit you on the way out like you can unfollow me and then I went about my day so that wouldn't have been the case five years ago that would have bothered me I probably would have been thinking about it having fake arguments in the shower with myself about it for ages, you know. So just know that it's going to maybe happen at some point. You'll work through it. You'll get over it. It'll be less hard the next time. And there will also be so many people who have the absolute opposite opinion, right? Like that post I was talking about with a comment, I think there's 800 people have liked it and like it's been getting virally shared all around the internet. So I can focus on that or I can focus on the one person who left a comment that I don't even agree with. Huge, 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 huge. Okay, Amy, I know that you speak about going from good girl to free as fuck. Yeah. So (laughs) I've got some questions for you. I'd love to know what the different experience is. What's sex like when you ship from good girl to free as fuck? It's much more pleasurable because you're not in your head. You know, that's one of the biggest blocks to women's pleasure is the fact that they're in their head about a ton of things. Many of that is because of the way that we're conditioned as women to feel about our bodies, to feel about sex, the shame that we have about it, the way that gender roles are so pervasive in how we relate sexually. And so there's so many reasons why you might be in your head. So obviously the less that you're in your head because you're able to be peaceful and present and unapologetic in who you are, the more pleasure you're going to be able to feel because your energy is down in your pussy and not up in your head and you're not feeling anxious. You know, stress is a huge killer of libido. What's one of the biggest stresses in our lives? Giving so many fucks about what other people think or how we look or how we'll be perceived or will we be called a slut if we do this? You know, so many things. So 
sex is very good when you are not a good girl anymore. Mm. What is a friendship like when you shift from good girl to free as fuck? It is more intimate, more connected, more deep. And maybe you have a smaller circle, but the circle that you got is let, you know, it's so beautiful. You have real conversations and you're not afraid of conflict because you're able to talk it out in a powerful way. Beautiful. What is relationship like when you move from good girl to free as fuck? Oh, it's amazing. It is intimate. You feel like someone's on your team. You understand each other. You're able to work through conflict or disagreement in a totally different way. And your relationship becomes a source of joy and nourishment rather than an anxiety. I mean, relationship is one of the biggest stresses in most people's lives when they do surveys about this. So instead of it being a source of stress, it gets to be a source of evolution and growth together. Beautiful. What is money and abundance like when you move from good girl to free as fuck? You can buy whatever you want and not give a fuck what anyone says about it. And you can decide also what abundance means to you rather than what it should look like or what other people think you should be spending your money on or what abundance should be in your community or your culture, your industry. And so you get to decide. You have full ownership over what you do with your money, what you see as your version of abundance and how you live your entire life. Powerful. And finally, before I ask the one last question, what is relationship with self like when you move from good girl to free as fuck? The way that I envision this and how I feel this for myself is like my inner child has this fierce mother. So I have my inner child and my adult self. My adult self is holding the torch and being like, we're going to go fuck some shit up and start a riot of crazy loudmouth women. But when my inner child gets scared, this part of me leans down and is like, I've got you. Don't worry. I've got you. Here's what we're going to do. And so it's not about just blazing forward, disconnected from your emotions, never giving any fucks about anything, but it's like, here's the right fucks that we're going to give. I've got you. And that involves sometimes giving yourself healing and compassion along the way and still knowing you're a bad bitch. You really are a bad bitch. I fucking love you. I'm like, she's mine. I want to marry her myself. (laughs) Final question, Amy. You really are amazing. I love you. Uh, I ask all guests this to complete the episode. Are you ready? Yes. Amy Rushworth, what does it mean uniquely to you to be raw, real and vulnerable in your own life? Oh, For me, it's showing all the different sides of me without shame. So I sometimes talk about releasing the should consciousness, what I should be, what I shouldn't be. And so for me, I feel so vulnerable, but also so loved when people love that full spectrum of me, not just the compartments that they approve of. So 
They see me for my depth. They see me for my silliness. They see me for my glamour. They see me for my big heart, my loyalty. They see me for the witchy side, you know, and instead of being like, that doesn't make sense together, Amy, what contradictory personality. They love how diverse and rich all these different parts of me are and they see me and love me in all of those different ways. And that makes me feel really seen and heard and just raw and so loved. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me today. I can't wait to share this episode. I know all the women who tune in are going to love it. If they would love to make their way into your glamorous, beautiful, big, deep-hearted, fiery world, how do they find you? Instagram. This is Amy Rushworth is the Instagram. My website's amyrushworth.com and the Amy Rushworth show is my podcast. And on that podcast, by the way, if you liked the sister wound part of this conversation, there's a conversation with Lexi Sabatino. She goes really deep into the teaching of hers that I reference. So might be a good listen. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode. 